Welcome to season two of the Pines and Perspectives podcast hosted by Wellhouse Church. This show understands that there is quite a bit of diversity amongst the body of Christ. So we operate according to the motto that certain things are fixed, like the essentials of faith, and the best beer is served on tap, while everything else is just a matter of perspective. What's going on, beer lovers? What up? How we doing? Uh, oh, no. What's cracking, beer lovers? What's up? You've been slacking. I have been slacking. Oh, my goodness. Uh, so that is a brewery that you're fairly common with, though. What, Eureka Heights? Yeah. Yeah, they're a Houston local. Um, they're a smaller brewery. They're not one of the bigger ones in Houston. Um, but they've got a great spot in the city. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a vibe. Yeah. And Buckle Bunny, this one... It's a pretty pot. It's a cream ale. It's a pretty popular beer around the city. You can go to most bars in Houston, and most decent bars will probably have this beer. It's pretty popular in the city. I got you. I have never had this beer before or anything from this brewery before. It is Texas Beer Company. That's the name of it. That's the name of the brewery. Yeah. Damn, that's cool. Yeah, it's cool. It's, it's Texas cool. Bruco. Texas Beer Company. Oh, Beer Company. Texas yeah. Beer Co. Damn. It is, it is the Canine Lager. Um, and they are apparently, because it's written on the back of the can here, proud supporter of Canines for Warriors. Good beer for a good cause. Canines for Warriors is the nation's largest veteran service organization providing highly skilled service dogs to American veterans with severe PTSD. Um, so love that. Um, and it is, um, brewed with solar power, brewed with solar and people power. It's interesting. What uh, is it? Solar and people power? Yeah. That's what it says here. Interesting. Meaning like it is a green brewery that uses manpower, but they didn't want to discredit the manpower. Got it. Word. Um, yeah, so I'm kind of excited about this. So mine, we talked about Eureka Heights a little bit. This is the Buckle Bunny. It's uh, a cream ale. Um, it's 4.5% ABV, and it says, This little cream ale is pretty much for everyone. Great for a hot summer day or a hot winter's night. Crisp and corny like a delightful dad joke. Um I've had this beer before. That's actually a really good description of it. Mm. it. Honestly, I didn't know it was a cream the first time I had it. It it really is like it's just I mean just a good quality beer. So so Cullen, do you want to explain to the non rodeo people what a buckle bunny is? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Lloyd, what's a buckle bunny? Um. A buckle bunny is um, a pejorative term around rodeos for women who fawn after men with buckles. There you go. That was a very good way of communicating, a very PC way of communicating that. It is definitely a pejorative term, though. Oh, it's totally a pejorative term. I don't think they mean it that way. Um uh, and they 
I mean, but they did put a pink bunny on. <laughs> I, I mean, maybe they did mean it that way. Um, and Houston is a big rodeo city, if you didn't know. Yeah, the Houston Livestock Show and Rodeo is kind of a big deal. Um, well, and, you know, there have been several world champion and grand champion bucking bulls um, that were raised in Dayton, Texas. Yeah. Um, and also another one just north of Dayton and Moss Hill. Uh, we like rodeo around here. <laughs> we do. Our dad uh, rodeoed for uh, several years. I rodeoed for several years. <coughs> I grew up around it because of those things. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's what a buckle bunny is. It's, uh, you know, don't it, Eureka Heights. It's on them if you don't like it. <laughs> they, they did the marketing, not me. They did the marketing. Cheers, Ready? buddy. Cheers. got a weird nose this sweet no the nose is sweet and not in like a good brown way. sugar sweet no like a molasses kind of way is it silky on your mouth and texture no the flavor is really good so it's not an adjunct then no you're just drawing that molasses out of the grains yeah the flavor is really good though um Feels like a standard lager. It's slightly sweet, but not like overpoweringly. Yeah. Um, I give it a six. Six even rookie score? It's like, yeah, I'd rather have a banquet. You know, <laughs> that's like, that's not saying much though. That's okay. a fine beer. It, Banquet is a great beer. It's a fine beer. Okay. I'd rather have a high life. You know. Okay. That's also a fine <laughs> beer. That's not fair. Okay. High life is much cheaper than this, and I would enjoy it more. Heard. Heard. Um, damn. I, you know, just rather go home and fry up some bologna or something. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, like I said, I've had mine before. Um, if you're into creams, you might real you might recognize it as a cream. The cream elements of it are pretty light. Um, it doesn't really hit me as like a real Ford cream. There's no yeah. like major adjuncts popping out of it. There's nothing crazy off the wall. Honestly, it it tastes like a really crisp blonde. Sounds good. Um, it is good. I mean, I'm my standard like six eight. It it is it's. It's good. Yeah. It's just like quintessential kind of um, beer category. So let's talk about, excuse me. Um, we're going to have a multi-part conversation in this episode about the human identity and the hierarchy of sins. So Clayton, um, talk to me about human identity. What do you, what do you think about human identity? So, okay. It's so funny 
that you specifically asked me that question because I was having a conversation with someone earlier today about the difference between identity and self-worth. Um, okay. And this person said, well, I find, I asked this person, what does self-worth mean to you? Like if I ask you to define self-worth, they said, well, I find my identity in Christ. And I was like, okay, whoa, whoa, whoa. Your identity is found in that, but your self-worth is found in the image of God, right? And being created in the image of God and you are worthy because you are created in the image of God, right? Mm -hmm. But your identity is found in, in being a child of God, right? So... Yes, if I am going to say human identity, maybe like I naturally come to that conversation from a perspective of care, not a theological perspective, but from a perspective of care, <clears throat> your identity is in being a created being of God and being a product of who he is. Okay. I'm tracking with you. I don't, from a theological perspective, I'm not sure what you're trying to communicate or is that like, I would, I, I haven't said anything yet. I was asking you for your opinion about yeah, human from identity. a perspective of care. That's how I come to this. Okay. Yeah. Um, the way Ben and Randy talk about it, the way that I'm making up how they're thinking about this conversation is that for them, identity is synonymous with divinity or the existence of divinity. Okay. Which is kind of what I think you're saying. Yeah, more or less. Okay. I'm not saying that. I don't think about it that way. Hmm. Because, well, number one, that disintegrates a human. I'm against disintegration. How does it disintegrate a human? Because what about the person that's an embodied human but is outside of experiencing divinity? They're still created in the image of God, though. Embodiment. Right. Not identity. Fair. Very fair point. Identity, I think, should be thought of as embodiment and divinity. Mm. That your identity is partially just in the fact that you're an embodied human made in the image and likeness of God and beloved by God. That embodiment element absolutely is a part of your identity. But also the divinity piece that is within that embodiment is a part of your identity. And as you grow in that divine likeness, in that divine ascent, there will absolutely be growth into the fuller element and the better version or the most true version of your identity. Hmm. Okay. You get what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Do you understand why I'm making the differentiation? Oh, yeah, yeah. I get it. Do you agree? <sighs> I think so. Um, yes, I think so. Okay, got it. I need to chew on it a little bit more, but I think so. Now, the reason I bring this up is because 
the debates around a human identity, the embodiment piece, the divinity piece, all of it, the worth piece. This is what Ben and Randy say. These debates hang on the premise of whether the identity should be seen as part of creational goodness or the fallenness of sin. Is identity something you construct or something you receive? Mm. Now, I want you to really think about this. I want, I want you, you've already answered the question. I'm just not sure if you have or if you've realized you have. Is identity a part of creational goodness or the fallenness of sin? Creational goodness. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You've already Creational goodness. That's what I said. You've already answered this question. Absolutely. The fact that we are made in the image and likeness of God makes it foundational to creational goodness. Yeah. When does an identity marker interfere with finding one's core identity in Christ through the Spirit? Are there times that the church allows social, cultural, or sexual identity markers, among others, to limit its ministry rather than seeking to reach all? It's a question from Ben and Randy out of the book. Are you asking me that question? In some way, uh, yeah. Read it again. I can't find it. Read it again. Are there times that the church allows social, cultural, or sexual identity markers, among others, to limit its ministry rather than seeking to reach all? Yes. Like, I I don't... I don't... Nobody needs you to give an example of a sexual one. I think we all understand, like, yes. the transgender conversation is the one that... Right. But, excuse me, what's a social and a cultural one? Like, what's an example of that? Oh, Ooh. Mm. Social would, I don't know. So you pointed out transgender for the sexual piece. Mm-hmm. Um, that's more of a gender thing, I would say. Um, not Well, not if you're having a conversation of identity. No, no. Sexual identity is different than gender identity. Fair, but... Because you can't see it, you don't understand that the next part of the conversation we're about to have is about human modification. Okay. So. That's what they're trying to lead up to. They should have used different words. Um, a social piece, though, depending on the groups that you're talking to. Um, I mean, in fundamentalism... One would be how um, BLM would relate to this, the it's social great, gospel. It's a great one. Right. Um, and then what was one of the other ones? Uh, it's fine. Okay. Um, cool. These are questions that each person has to ask for themselves. Unfortunately, asking this question usually means that people... Choose oppression over liberation. Yeah. And they bring up the conversation of human modification. And they end up having a much uh, larger category of conversation 
because they end up talking about AI and clones and science fiction and the way science is developing and the augmentation that's available to humans now, which is all true. Mm-hmm. And one of the questions that they end up asking is how will the church and society treat clones? Yeah. Is a clone a human? No. Why? It doesn't have a soul. Is that what makes a human a human? Well, okay. Ooh. Okay. No. What makes a human a human is being created in the image of God. Okay. But then... And we've we've had this this conversation about what that means, what that looks like, um, the 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 body, soul, spirit, the the um, irreducible parts, all of that. You can't really ask this question until you answer that question, um, because what is the image of God? really at it at its core and how could how could or can humans recreate the image of god great what what do you think no what what makes up the image of god i don't know I, I want to say that humans cannot recreate the image of God in this way, but I also can't tell you what the image of God actually is at its core because it, it ends up becoming that that conversation of body, soul, spirit, body, mind, heart, whatever, um, however you want to talk about it, or the irreducible parts, right? Yeah. And I can't answer that question. Hey, remember that time... Like every time we have a podcast and we talk about the Bible being written for us, not to us. Yes. Yeah. This is a great example of why it's written for us, not to us, because it's not trying to have this conversation because it didn't even know this was possible. Yeah, exactly. Um, the augmentation element of it, I think is important to think about. And for me, all it does is remind me like, hey, maybe don't be quite so hubris. Like, there's a lot of things going on here that mm-hmm. we really just don't have answers to. Yeah. It's probably okay. Yeah. Now. Agreed. For the next six minutes, seven minutes, we're going to have a very, very quick conversation about the hierarchy of sins. Preface. We've had this conversation multiple times across all the podcasts. Uh-huh. Are all sins equal? Yes. Are they? Yes. I well, firmly stand on that. Okay. I don't. Mm. I don't think that all sins are equal. Okay. God views, I think that God views all sin as equal, but not all sin has the impact on the world the same. Walk that out. What do you mean? Okay. If sin truly is just this idea of missing the mark of divinity... Right. If that is really what sin is, 
then we're all just missing the mark, right? And I believe that that's, like, I have to believe that's how God sees it. Now, someone, now this is making a large assumption that, you know, telling a lie is a sin. Someone telling a little white lie is different than, you know, what's happening in the Ukraine by Putin right now, right? It's very different. The impact on the world is very different. And so in that way, they are not equal and they are not the same. But the, the idea of what is happening is the same. Missing the mark of divinity. I hear you. I disagree. Okay. Um, You're asking a raw thought. like I am. I am. And I am guilty at times of saying that there is no hierarchy of sins. There shouldn't be. Okay. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm not talking about a societal standpoint. I'm talking about with God. I think there's a hierarchy of sins. With God. With God. Jesus himself says that there is. Because there's an unforgivable sin. Okay, but what is that unforgivable sin? Rejection of the Holy Spirit. Rejection of the gospel. Cool. That literally just means not receiving grace. Correct. Cool. Or calling Jesus Lord. Right. Okay. That is not accepting of the way. Correct. I also think... I think there's something different about sins that harm the image of God. That is that impact piece that I was talking about. Yeah, but I think it matters to God, too. Okay. Um, it's hard for me to have this conversation because I know church tradition and history. Ben and Randy do a good job talking about it. But this idea of the sin hierarchy all arose from Catholicism and purgatory. Right. Because you had... Purgatory was meritorious. Right. You earned your way out of it. Right. And so, because you earned your way out of it through merit and penance, you had to earn your way in. Mm -hmm. And so, because priests had to offer, like, give commands of penance to parishioners, well, there had to be a skit, there had to be a hierarchy. Right. Right. Obviously, murder can't be forgiven with three Hail Marys. Right. So, hierarchy of sins was born. The real problem is honestly not that priests or pastors made a hierarchy of sins because I think the Bible probably makes space for that. The real problem is that society took that. Mm. That's that impact piece you're talking about. Um, society took this stuff and ran with it in all kind of different ways. I was having a conversation with somebody the other day I'll tell you who this person was off camera if you want. Um, 
having a conversation with a family member of ours the other day, and this individual asked me, we were having a conversation about same-sex marriage and attraction. I constantly find myself having these conversations these days. Same, actually. <laughs> uh, and I don't want to say I'm frustrated over it. I'm frustrated that I continue to have to have the same conversation. That's what I'm frustrated about. Um, because people just seem to not be getting it or listening. But, of course, their question to me was, well, how can God be okay with it because the Bible calls it an abomination? As if it using that word abomination somehow makes it, like, more heinous. Like, it's higher up the chain. It's like gayness is worse than mass murder, apparently, according to some white people. Um, but Golly. But, but the Kyle Rittenhouse story kind of proves that. Like, let's be honest here. <laughs> it's nonsense. So, <sighs> what was I saying? You were talking about conversation with family member. Oh, yeah. So, she, this individual asked me about, like, it being an abomination. And my immediate response was, well, there's lots of things in the Bible that are called abominations. Mm-hmm. What are some other ones, Clayton? <sighs> um... Actually, I can't think of any. You can't think of anything else that's called an abomination? No, I'm going through the Levitical law in my brain, what I remember of it, and I can't think of anything off the top of my head. Hmm. Um. What are the seven deadly sins, Clayton? Greed, lust, gluttony, um, anger. No, not anger. No, it is anger. Wrath. Wrath. Um, greed, lust, anger, gluttony. Um, help me out. Um, Here it is. There are six things that the Lord hates. Seven that are in abomination to him. Ooh, interesting. Same word. As same-sex attraction. Yeah. But what are these? Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that hurry to run to evil, a lying witness who testifies falsely, and one who sows discord in a family. Mm. So just gay people then. <laughs> Got it. Same so team. So not everyone yeah. that has ever committed any of these sins. Yeah. Because I guarantee you we've all done at least one of these things on that list. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, but no, just gay people. Just gay people. Just gay people are the abomination. Got yeah. it. Same team. Uh it's nonsense. You kidding me? Nonsense. Come on. Read the book better. Yeah. Read the damn book Jeez. better. That's that's a good point. Read the book better. Yeah. This really ain't that hard. If you want the book to liberate, it will. If you want it to oppress, it will. It's all in the way you read it. So, 
to the conversation of human identity and the hierarchy of sins. Yeah, I believe that the human identity in some way is made up by the image of God. Like that is human identity. Yeah. The embodiment piece, the divinity piece together, that makes up identity. And so the image of God matters in conversations of identity. Sin, as Paul says, 1 Corinthians, all sins a man commits are outside his body, but when a man sins sexually, he sins against his own body. There does seem to be a hierarchy of sins at different times in the Bible. Jesus has a hierarchy of sin. Paul definitely does, even just in that sentence, right? But these are all perspectives, right? Everybody has a perspective on this. Clearly, Proverbs has six things, seven that the Lord thinks are an abomination. Yeah, but that's a very different list. So is there a hierarchy of sins? Maybe, probably. But really, more so than anything, what I think we should be gleaning from this is that we all have sin. Mm. And maybe just because we view one sin to be worse than another, what you didn't realize and what you didn't do is you didn't realize and you didn't stop and ask yourself, well, what's the intersectionality? What led them to this point? What's happened in their life that they didn't have a a choice over? Mm. What's been going on that things have created... Systems have been created, policies have been made, have impacted this person's life in this way, and they've done this. I also hate to be this guy. Actually, I don't hate to be this guy. The speck in your the speck in your neighbor's eye, bro, versus the log in your own. Yeah. Right? Like, can we can we like have that conversation first? before we start talking about other people's sins, whether or not they're bigger than yours, fix your own first. Thanks for listening to the Pints and Perspectives podcast hosted by Wellhouse Church. Be sure to give us a rating and a review if you enjoyed the episode. It's free and it helps us immensely. Also, feel free to check out our other podcasts.